I'm Pamela Portnoy, and no one's okay. to No One's Okay. I am back. I am here today with Philip Van Nostrand. Today's guest is a New York-based event photographer specializing in weddings, commercial, and lifestyle products. He's been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Fortune, the Huffington Post, and many more. Welcome, Phil. Hopefully, second time's the charm. (laughs) I had some connection issues, but I'm back. This should be good. You sound way better now. Oh, this is amazing. So tell- Oh, heck yes. I love the mic setup that you've got going on. Tell our listeners a little bit about your journey. Feel free to share as much or as little as you like. Sure. Um, Well, I'm a photographer now. I wasn't always a photographer before. I used to be a middle school math teacher. uh, And I also was like a youth pastor, a tutor, camp counselor, all kinds of things related to youth. And um, when I studied abroad in Spain in college is when I first picked up my camera um, and got into kind of capturing the magic of travel. And then it became a a hardcore hobby for about six years until someone took a chance on me and asked me to shoot their friend's wedding. And that's when I got hooked and I I got paid $500 for my very first wedding, but it was more money than I'd ever made um, in a single day in my life. And it felt like magical and and the clients loved me and I was, and that's when I started pursuing it intentionally. And now we're 14 years later. What was the learning curve and kind of learning about photography as you went? Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting because I didn't go to school for photography. So I, I learned through, I had a lot of friends in Santa Barbara where I'm from, um, who were photographers. And so I would like hang out with them. Um, Facebook was really, really big back then. So I would kind of, I joined some like Facebook communities. Um, and I just taught myself a lot online through YouTube, Facebook and friends. And that was it. It was like all very self-taught. That's, that's really wonderful. So, um, as we mentioned, you've, you've kind of had a long journey to, to get where you currently are. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about the ups and downs of your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. And I think you're um, pretty passionate as far as <laughs> I know about entrepreneurship. So I'm dying to hear Yeah, this. absolutely. I, I always say that I, I consider myself a business person more than like an artist. Um, but I really love the art of business. I love the art of making art. Um, and the ups and downs are interesting. I think for me, it took me like a really long time to to value myself and charge what I think I'm actually worth. Um, and for the longest time I was just sort of playing very small. Um, the ups have been, you know, the freedom of photography, the, um, being able to travel and like not ask a boss for permission to take time off and to like sleep in or do whatever, like create my whole life around what I, what I like and, and what I love. Um, and the struggles have been to, like I used to have a mentor named Tim Halberg and every time we'd meet every like couple months, he'd, he'd say, what are you, what are you charging for weddings? And I'd be like 1500 or a thousand bucks. And he'd say like, raise your prices. You got to raise your prices. And he'd kept telling me that. And it was so hard. I think the biggest struggle for me actually was not like any interaction with people, but just sort of like believing that I could say I'm worth $3,000 and not 
have shame about it or not be- like not believe myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah. it was the catalyst for, for that moment. That was mainly, um, someone telling you and telling you like, um, that you are worth more than what yeah. you're charging. Yeah. So that that's just so interesting because it just shows the power of, um, just a little bit of encouragement and what it can do for someone. Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't have raised prices as often or as fast as I did. And it wasn't even that fast. Like if it hadn't been for someone else. So now every time I meet a new photographer, I'm like, what are you charging? And they tell me, I'm just like, raise your price. It doesn't even matter what they're going to say. Like, I just have to tell them to automatically. Raise their prices. <laughs> yeah. Because people always, I mean, no matter what industry we're in, like people are always undervaluing, almost always undervaluing themselves. Um, if you're in arts at all or doing any sort of service thing, you know, like you think like you get by with 50, but, but truly you're worth 75 or a hundred or 200 or whatever. And so, and the crazy thing is, is not, I, I think like so many fears come up, you know, when I, I remember being in like sort of a group therapy type session and, and I had a very rich family that I used to tutor for. They wanted to, um, have me take their family photos and up to that point, I had been charging like 50 bucks for a family session or something, but I wanted to charge a hundred because I felt like that's was a good price. And so, but I had to practice this in my group therapy group. Like I want to charge a hundred. I don't know how to say it or like how to like say it confidently or show them that I'm worth it or whatever. And that was already a mistake to like say that, show that I'm, I'm worth it. But, but I had a, one of the guys like pretend to be the mother and he, and he was like, so we want to hire you. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm a hundred dollars and I can blah blah blah. And he's like, Why why are you worth a hundred dollars? Like that seems like too much. Like he totally like pushed me and, and tried to make me like practice the thing. And then I had to do it in real life. And um and she still questioned the hundred dollars, which is so crazy. Uh Interesting. Because, because now I will charge a thousand two hundred dollars for a family session and not blink an eye. And and I know that the confidence that I bring to that conversation it makes people feel feel that it's worth it you know it's very weird there's a lot of psychology and business and and stuff like this that's so interesting because i feel like there are so many cases where people that don't have the confidence to to do that um mm-hmm. at least at first um usually it's the people that really should be doing that even more yeah. what is it about mm-hmm. you know being more knowledgeable in a field or more, um, or caring about it more that makes us want to undervalue what we bring to the table because I feel like really confident people sometimes, um, are like overestimating. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a, there's like a famous phrase that I'm trying to, I know it says, God, give me, it's a serenity. It's a, joke on a serenity prayer like god give me the confidence of a mediocre white man have you ever heard that (laughs) (laughs) i have heard that (laughs) that's what i think of when i think of that like god give me the confidence of a mediocre white man to like walk into any setting and like imagine that you belong there and that you like are worth a lot more than you are whatever that's the the fact that that we're already being introspective about this should show Mm -hmm. that like we're probably more qualified than we're leading ourselves to be I think, I think, I mean, I think the true fact about most people in general is that they, they, their fears are overblown and, and their greatest fears will never come true. But it's like, oh, if I say I'm a hundred, she's going to laugh at me and then tell everybody to never work with me. And, and 
and like tell me I'm a joke or, you know, she'll know that I'm like not worth it. I haven't done enough time, blah, blah, blah. All these different things that are not really what makes a person valuable, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. That is interesting. I, I feel like raising prices and just talking about money has been like therapy for me, basically. <laughs> in, that's in that's wonderful that yeah. you've like gotten past that though. Do you still struggle with that where you are now? Yeah, all the time. It's crazy. It's just at a different level, but like, yeah. I mean, it's weird to say, but I'll charge like $12,000 for a wedding now. And I, I started at 500, but even at the $12,000 mark, I have friends. I know people for a fact that are charging 25,000, oh, wow. 68,000, $70,000 to shoot a wedding. They're, they're like upper up the top, 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 top level in America. But I know these people and it almost makes me angry when I hear it because I'm like, why, why am I struggling so hard just to like pass that $15,000 barrier or the $20,000 mark? Um, which sounds ludicrous to say out loud when, when other people are just like throwing around 40,000, like it's nothing. Like I feel like even now I'm missing something. Like I still have a block and I'm not sure what it is, but like, I'm too afraid to talk to those and I'm not, I am. And I'm not, I'm like a little bit afraid to ask those like big, big planners to try me out, you know? For um, sure. So do you feel like you would classify that as like, which is something that a lot of people struggle with myself included, hmm. like imposter syndrome like how do you yeah, deal with totally. that feeling yeah. it is a hundred percent i mean i think i think one of the main imposter syndrome is is like rooted in fear a lot and so you know if you've done any sort of therapy i feel like one of the greatest paths to conquer fear is to go through it right you have to just expose yourself to it we call it exposure therapy so the more i i like put myself in uncomfortable positions whether it's like saying a price that feels a little bit scary to me or talking to the planner that i feel like might reject me or something like the the sooner i get over it and i and it becomes easier the next time you know um and so i don't know i think we conquer i'll say this like one of the ways that I got into the luxury events market was by going to um, like a really fancy conference called Engage Summits. And there's like, it's where the top 10% of wedding professionals show up. Um, and so, but when I went there, I wasn't a top 10%. I was like in the middle of 50% or whatever. And so I felt 100% like I didn't belong there. And in fact, I went three times before I felt like I actually belonged in the room. And belonging in the room is a very interesting, like is a thing I think about all the time. And it took me three times at like $5,000 a pop to, to go. Like I spent, invested $15,000 before I ever felt like I actually belonged there in my thrift store suits, not knowing anybody, not having photographed the kind of things that these guys were doing. And it was really like wild to, to do that enough to the point where, oh, like I, now I have friends. These guys accept me for who I am. I'm actually shooting at this level. I'm just not charging what I, you know, like I, mm -hmm. it was like such a crazy game to play with myself and I'm really glad I did it, but I, I think yeah, you're so ahead. right. No, that's beautiful. And I think you're so right about it being almost like exposure therapy, because if you're in the room, you belong in the room. Yes. It's like when people ask me, you know, am I pulling this dress off? Am I pulling mm -hmm. off this outfit? I'm like, you're wearing it it's done. You're pulling yeah, yeah. it off. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that it takes our whole body to like a while to catch up to that thought mm -hmm. and the confidence, right. To, to really, yeah. Own it. Yes. I think and that that's the hard part. And, and I do own it for the most part, but I'm still, there's always room for growth, you know? So like, while I'm, I feel like I can own it within my particular sphere of 
contacts and what I do, you know, I, I don't, I'm still not shooting in the White House or shooting for like celebrities or, shoot, you know, and so there's yet. yet yes. So there's always like an extra push for me. Um, and and I, and I want to be pushing myself out of my comfort zone always. That's wonderful. Would you say that that is a main um, motivating factor for you? What what keeps your motivation up? Yeah, um, I think maybe inherently I I am always interested in becoming a little bit better. Um, I know you through my business book club, so I love like reading and like push you know reading new ideas and like thinking about how to be better in my business or my life. Um, one of the things that I, I love having goals, and so even when I make my goals, I'm not done. I just want I make a new goal that's a little bit further. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like always unhappy. It just means that I'm always striving towards something bigger and better. And so I like, I like that. And my favorite quote, one of my favorite business quotes is, I, I think from Casey Neistat maybe, um, but he, he said, comfort is the death of creativity. So I really am like wary of getting comfortable in something because it means that I'm, I've stopped growing basically, or I, I stopped being creative. Do you think that's one of the driving forces? I know you travel a lot for work, but do you think that's mm -hmm. one of the driving forces behind how much you travel? Yeah, I travel a lot. I, mean, I was just talking with you before we recorded. I, I looked and, and last year I traveled 186 days, which is pretty much half the year, uh, almost exactly half the year. Um, I think that I have a theory that, <clears throat> um, yes, it is. I, I don't know how else to say this, but like, I feel like the only way people grow in their lives is when they're exposed to new things, um, whether that's an idea, a place, a person, a food, whatever. And so, and the only way you won't grow is if you stay in the exact same situation. Like your tomorrow is going to look like it is today. Your next year is going to be in the same place, same people, same things. And you're not really like exposed to new things. So Every time I, I I travel somewhere new or I meet someone new, like I'm growing and I'm I'm learning and and staying curious about the world, and I, I think that's where like true magic happens for for people. So yeah, I, I love agree. to travel, and it's very yeah. inspiring to be to put yourself in a new environment. Mm -hmm. I think it can like really shake up the the creative yeah. box. I have two. I have two. Um, well, I. I'm working on a book called How to Live an Epic Freelance Life. Amazing. And, and I have like some some theories about about this stuff. And one of oh, and one of the things I love is when people have um like created habits to ensure that they live an epic freelance life. So your habit might be like I interview one new person every week or whatever on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of it ensures that you're like, you know, doing epic things or like experiencing. But for me, it's um since 2003 I've put one new stamp on my passport every single year to the place I've never been. Like, wow. so for always since 2003, like I've explored some new country this year. It was, I've already been to Switzerland, but I'll also be in Bali. And I think I'm going to spend like more time exploring around Bali. Um, amazing. But also on my birthday, I started a new habit, which is I, I try to go somewhere new. It could be in America, not just like a passport stamp, but somewhere that I've never been before on my birthday. And I've been doing that since 2016. So the last six years on my birthday or around my birthday, I'll be like last year I was in Morocco for my birthday Wow. Um, or right after my birthday. The year before that, it was like um, it was just Newport, Rhode Island, you know, or I never I went to Nashville one year. I went to Mongolia another year. So every year I'm trying to go somewhere new on my birthday. And then every year I'm also putting a new passport stamp on my passport. 
I love that idea. I yeah. do something not quite as epic, but uh, every year I try to like go by myself away somewhere for a long weekend to kind yeah. of clear my mind. I like, I go alone. So I, it's kind of like, I take myself on a long date weekend and I like mm -hmm. get to know like where my brain's at and I go do something that interests me. I think the last time I actually, I haven't done it in a, in a minute because of the pandemic. The last time I did it was no January, excuses, 2020. <laughs> I went to San Francisco and like, I went to the museums and I nice. took myself out to dinner and like, yeah, I think that's, that's a That's really exactly cool it. idea. I want to, I want to up it to doing what you're doing. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, but I, I think what you're doing is like perfect. It's a beautiful, it's, I, I have this theory that like people who live their best lives are very intentional about it. It's not accidental, you know? So doing what you do is like a very intentional act and it keeps things like exciting. And also sure. what you're describing is from the artist's way. Did you read that book or? No, not yet, but I have it on my shelf. Yeah. She calls it an artist date. And she like a, part, a big part of the book is encouraging people to do what exactly what you're describing, like go somewhere by yourself and not and not try to interact with people, but just like expose yourself to art or like life and, and appreciation. That's Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Thank you. I like what you do more. I want to I should travel. I'm a, I'm a little bit um, trepidatious about going to a different country on my own, but I think I might be doing that for the first time this coming year. There are thousands of women who do it every year even more probably yeah and there's good communities that can help with that as well it's amazing so, yeah so cool. you're very busy um how do you take care of your mental health oh good question <laughs> um literally 10 minutes before i got on this call with you i was ending up in my therapy session which was great um, I've been seeing, I, I wish I had started therapy earlier actually, but I just have, this is about one year in now, um, with my therapist, Julie Shuck. She's amazing. And, um, and also tonight I am going to join my men's group, which I've been a part of for about 14 years now. Oh, wow. And every single week, if I'm available, I am meeting with these men and sitting in a circle and talking about our feelings and sharing things that are hard and then supporting one another and kind of like doing work work like psychotherapy type work you know uh, or psychodrama type work like like having somebody be your father and then having this conversation that you never got to have or you know, that kind of stuff um so i'm doing that tonight for a couple hours um and then besides that i mean those are really big actually those are the yeah, things that's those... definitely where like i'm pushing myself but i'm also uh, I think for mental health stuff, like I, I really am surrounded. I truly surround myself with beautiful, lovely humans. And I had a great call with my one of my good friends, Callie, out in Savannah um, earlier today. And we just chatted about life. But I think that's like super, it feels like I'm loved and I am loving others and trying to have, surround myself with more people like that in the world. That's so lovely. Are you, do you tend to get your energy from being around other people or, or do yeah, you get, yeah, I'm hundred percent extroverted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the other way around. I have to like, oh, really? I feel so weird about it sometimes because I'll literally have to go put myself in my room for like an hour. You know, if I have someone mm -hmm. staying with me or if I am at like at a party, I'll have to like go by myself and recharge for like even a second. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous, but that's, that's amazing. You have to do what okay. your body, what your mind, what your spirit 
wants you yeah, to do. Yeah, I would never tell an ex introvert to live their life the way that I do. <laughs> but but um but I like that. As long as you know, you know, you know, then you're fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's good. How Be you in your room for an hour. Oh yeah, 100%. How do you separate your home life from your work life, which I know is a, mm. is can be very challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs because you know, and and a lot of people in general I think now that we're working from home, most people mm -hmm. like where do you draw the line or does everything kind of blend together? Yeah, I, I think um, this is also going to be in my book for sure. Like I don't, uh, I truly actually don't believe that there needs to be a separation of work and home. Um, and people who are living their best epic freelance lives are both. Like if you ask me right now, what is this conversation like work or pleasure? I would say both. And if you ask me what my, job in Cabo was last month? Was it for like when people say, oh, are you going to Cabo? Or is it for work or for pleasure? I'm like both. I don't know. I'm I'm going to make almost $10,000 like shooting this conference, but I'm with friends who hired me and I got my best friend on video who's like net, like sharing the room with me and I'm staying extra. And so is it work or pleasure? It's truly both like and I think that that the people who ha really, really, really have life figured out don't separate those things very much at all. That's um, so interesting. And, and it's, it's very possible to, to always be working with people you love and, and doing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I no, I think yeah. that's, um, it does say a lot about how much you love what you're doing yes. because a lot of people are like, well, you can't be in your work head all day and then just, mm. um, go home and still be in it. Um, no, but if you, if you're, that's probably because you're not yeah. so much enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like if you, even if you are doing a weird like marketing job or something that might be boring, like sales or whatever, if you have like your best five people in the office, then it's like exciting to come to the office every day, right? It's like fun. Yeah. You're chatting in between, you're doing the things, you're talking, like inspiring each other. I think, I really, really think the work-life integration is not only possible, but like essential to living a great life. Yeah. I do find that with, um, with my, I find it more motivating when you work around people that, um, you enjoy spending time with, mm -hmm. like my friends and I have like made a pact. where like, we're going to start doing like at least like a weekly get together where we just sit down like at someone's place and just do our work, but like together. Yeah. And that That's way, like my you dream know, we could have fun while yeah. doing it. And you they're know? like, where's Pamela? She's in the bathroom for an hour alone. <laughs> she's, she's breathing by herself in the closet. It's fine. <laughs> That's funny. No, but, but you just described my dream scenario where like work and life is, is totally integrated. It's, it's beautiful. I think that's totally possible and, and should be normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really, like that. that's lovely. I love that you love what you do so much that that's how you feel about it. Of course. That's, that's so gorgeous. In fact, even when uh, it almost happened today, but I, I missed it. Like, uh, I have a friend in the neighborhood who's like a stationer, like a wedding stationary person. And I was like, hey, you want to do a work day today? And, and she's like, oh, I have like three in-person appointments. Like I, I wish, but maybe tomorrow. And so I think tomorrow afternoon we'll just like connect and I'll, I'll email. We can chat and blah, blah, blah. It just makes life so much more enjoyable. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so what's what's next for you? you uh, you're going to Cabo to shoot this conference. No, that actually happened last month, but, oh, okay. um, but this is very random, but I, I, 
remember working and pleasure together. So I, I downloaded Tinder while I was out there and I, I had like extra days there. And so I ended up just going on some dates and I met like a really lovely lady. Um, so now I'm going back there for my birthday week just to like see her and also visit a new place, which is Todos Santos, like an hour and a half north of Cabo um, with this lady. So it's kind of like a date. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. That's exciting. Congratulations. When's Thank your birthday, you. by the way, Phil? June 3rd. Okay. Yeah. Happy early birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank that's, you so much. So yeah. So awesome. I'll wake up in a new place that I've never been to on my birthday. That'll and then I got to fly back to New York that same day. Cause I have a job the next day, but busy. Yeah. But it'll be good. I mean, that's exactly why this is why I do what I do because I want to be able to just travel somewhere wherever I want and not worry about it. And I don't know, normally I Airbnb my apartment when I travel. So I actually like make my money back. You know, I, I could have like literally the entire trip paid for, except that my best friend's going to be using my place, so I can't rent it. But but in a normal world, I'd, I'd like Airbnb my apartment, I'd make a thousand bucks, I'd spend a thousand bucks, and it's like neutralized, and I just had like a free trip, basically. Um, that's that's, that's usually what I'm doing throughout the year. Yeah. Have you ever had a negative uh, experience with um, Airbnb being your place? Um, yeah, like a couple in the last 14 years, but oh, I would wow. say... That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not nothing crazy. Like no, nothing that like broke me or like lost. It was just like, I, 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 yeah. You should never rent Airbnb to people under the age of twenty six. That's basically the rule. All uh, right, I think that's pretty solid. Yeah. And and like even if their grammar is impeccable and they're like, I'll leave the place better. Like the the one girl, she she like burned a candle like down to the wax in my and in, into a towel lost my key when I came home like the other key was just in my door which was insane um, like she and she was like so dirty there was like wet towels on the floor it was just a mess but it wasn't I don't know I still made like 700 bucks or whatever and it was fine I cleaned up the place and it was fine but it was just annoying and I was like ah I need to not I can never break my rule it's there for a reason good um, wow that's a... that's like one in in like uh 200 really great experiences so for the most part it's just like couples who want to visit new york and drink wine and go to broadway you know that's lovely fine. yeah that's lovely next time i come to new york i'm gonna check out your airbnb okay. <laughs> you should i have a spare couch so i actually have a spare room you can literally stay for free and i have a backyard and it's awesome you're awesome yeah so as you mentioned earlier, we are in this business book club of yours. Mm -hmm. How did you get it started? I never asked you. Yeah, I, um, I didn't start it, but I continued it. So April, 2020, a bunch of my friends were doing stuff online during the pandemic, like early pandemic. And one of them had like started a book club and I was like, oh, I could do this could be kind of fun. And I joined it. We read atomic habits. That was our very first book. So um, good. I loved it. And, I really and the, liked it. the format was like, oh, it was like decent. Um, but the founder, we did one more book and she was, I was like talking to her on the side. I was like, this is so fun. I really like the club. Let me know if you ever need to like sub out. I'll, I'll, I'll like run a meeting or whatever and stuff. And then she was like, I think I'm going to stop it because like I'm getting too busy with coaching stuff. And I was like, ah, I'll, I'll take it over. You can still have your name on it. I don't need like the accolades. I just really like the concept. And so then I like took it over and have been tweaking it ever since and like making it what it is now. So it's much more structured. In the past, it was like, so what do you guys think? Like, what do you underline? It was just sort of like an open conversation. But now I'm like doing polls and I have little breakout rooms and I, I like ask leading questions and we type and, and you know, I'm trying to make it interactive and sort of interesting. I love how you make it interactive like that because sometimes yeah. um, it 
it, it encourages people to open up more because when it's like more general, um, people are kind of nervous about like starting that conversation, yeah. you know, but once yeah. there, you have a, something to lead you into it, then it's a go. Then they go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good group. And I like it because it's not all like just industry professionals. There's like a Reiki healer in there. There's I have friends from Canada who like own a yoga studio. There's artists, there's like photographers, wedding officiants. It's a really random group of people, but it's cool. And it's and it's um, people that really want to help each other succeed too. You know, yeah, I totally. I knew the group through um, our friend Katie mm-hmm. and um just immediately people were willing to like exchange numbers and check in on each Mm. other to see how they were doing with their habits and how, like what changes they were implementing. And I think it's such a supportive and wonderful group environment to be a part of every week. And I was so bummed I had to miss this last book, but I'm hoping to hop back in because, you know, things get crazy. the, the, The last book was like not as popular, so you didn't miss much. Okay. Um, but the next book is going to be so good. We're like just starting a four hour work week, which is kind of old now. It's crazy to say, cause that book like truly changed my life. But I think there's people who just don't even know what it is or who Tim Ferriss is. He's like the godfather of like that whole movement of kind of lifestyle design, everything I'm describing to you, like going to Cabo, going on a date, like Airbnb, my place, like came out of reading that book basically. Really? Um, truly. And he's a funny writer and he's good. So there's still, I don't know when this pod, this interview is going to come out, but like, we're just going through the intro uh, on Wednesday and by like the following week we'll be kind of into section one, but there's still time for you, Pamela, to catch up and, uh, and maybe, maybe other people as well. But yeah, book club's free. It's fun. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. I, I love chatting with you a little bit. <laughs> And oh, this was so nice. Um, I have a section called silly questions to take super seriously. And it's okay. really, they never end up being that silly. Um, it's just kind of a more light, um, lighthearted section. What has been your favorite travel destination so far? And I'll let you rack your brain mm. for a minute, unless you no, have it right know. at the tip of your tongue. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my first big travel was to Nepal in India. And so Nepal forever will be unbeaten because it was my first, like I compare everything to it. It was so beautiful. I was there in 2004 and I loved it so much. So Nepal is easily like one of the top places in the world. I think it's different now than it was when I visited back then. But, um, and the place that I've returned to the most has been Cartagena, Colombia. Oh, wow. I, really, I found that, that, that city to just be like magically beautiful in architecture, food, people, everything. It's so cool. Um, I think I was following someone on Instagram that got married there and it seems like the, it's a really good wedding destination, the like homes, um, the, the, the architecture and like the cobbled streets, like it looks so romantic. Yeah. There's like horses trotting through the streets and like all these, these like old, old villas where you open them up and they have a courtyard inside with like a a water fountain and stuff. It's like beautiful. That's so gorgeous. I can imagine that you had like some really beautiful, like shared work days on those patios. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Maybe sipping like a cocktail and just enjoying the outdoors. That sounds delightful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful place to be and easy, you know, and cheap, like $3 taxi will get you anywhere in the city, you know? 
That's so cool. So before I get to the last question, the penalty, the, the, the question, where can our listeners follow you? Um, you can just find me everywhere, basically at Philip VN, P H I L L I P V as in Victor N as in Nancy. Um, that'd be like my main Instagram page. And I, and from there it kind of links to everything else. So Philip VN, that's also like, I don't know, my TikTok or whatever. Follow him, everyone. Follow him. Phil is wonderful. Here's the last question. Okay. And I want you to think about it very carefully. Are you okay? (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I'm not okay, but I'm really working on it. Heck yes. I love that answer. That is the perfect answer. I, I feel like you from everything that we've talked about really embodied like the growth mindset and Mm -hmm. we're constantly changing and constantly working on our shit and it's amazing that's a great question (laughs) yay (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today yeah all right we will see you guys next time This podcast was produced by Jason Crow and me, Pamela Portnoy, with music by Jordan Ross Weinhold. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at No One's Okay. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love kind reviews. No One's Okay is also on YouTube. So if you want to see our faces, please subscribe to our channel. An extra special thank you goes out to Sean Moore, Claire Palmer, Jackson Palmer, Tiffany Hamoff, and Alexa Marie Anderson. This podcast was recorded at Soundworks Studios. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.